Hello, and welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. How do we know the best choices to make? And when we look back over our lives, how do we know the choices that have most influenced us from who we have been to who we are today? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the inside track. I'm Debbie Hazelton. My guest this month is Anthony Clark. Some of us know him as Tony. He is Desmond Clark's brother and has come to be known as my bro as well. And I thought you might enjoy hearing his journey. So welcome. We all live together in this house, and you'll be hearing more about some of that as time goes on. So welcome. I'm fascinated with choices that people make and how they come to know that that is a choice to make. And I I know you have one big one, but I wonder if even before we get to that one big one, if there are others that lead up to that that you might want to, or however you want to start. Well, it's kind of interesting. I will go back to relatively young age because it it really uh, is a part of my story. And that was uh, when I was old enough to get my dad a beer out the refrigerator and bring it to him and pop the top. And then I was encouraged to take a swig. Oh! And I'd get a swig. And well, it, it, I think <clears throat> this is a little bit of a predisposition to be an addict for me because the sips eventually got bigger. And one day he said, Boy, you about drank half my beer. Oh! <laughs> and I said, Oh shit, you know, <laughs> What's to myself. Rattling? I hear something rattling. That's me. That's okay. me. Okay. Uh, that's me uh, playing on the zipper on my, my leg. My, I can take these legs <laughs> off and be half shorts. And I'm just oh, that's fiddling. cool. Okay. I'm fidgeting. Okay. All right. Because it's right. coming through the... Okay. That's all right. And can't even play with yourself on the I- program, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no. Family friendly. Family friendly. Okay. All right. Well, we'll try uh, something else. I know. But, but again, as I was saying... Uh, so that, those that sips moment, got bigger. Those sips got huge, and so Ooh. I got smarter. So I'd open two beers. I'd open one and drink about half of it, and then take the other one in front of me, open it and just take a little swig like oh I used to. Oh my gosh! And uh, I couldn't wait till he asked for another beer. I would go back and finish my other beer, and then I'd bring him, uh, bring him one and take my, my customary swig out of his. Did you sneak the other half, the other one away, or did you just fill uh, it, I just pour went- some of it in? No, I just went and drank. I, I'd open two beers. I'd open one, drank about half of it, and then I'd, uh, I'd go back because he was going to ask for another one. So when I went back, I'd, I'd uh, drank the other half of it. <laughs> so I, I was a guzzler from the start. And how old were you? I want to say four or five. Whoa. I, I do remember it because I, I, I remember Plattsburgh Air Force Base, and that would have been around that time. Uh, mm. Well, actually, maybe a little bit older. Maybe... Um, let me see, because I was 61, and we were there in 66, so five, about five, five, six mm. years old, somewhere That's in there. incredible. 
And what did you like about it? I love the taste. I love love the the taste taste of beer. I love the taste of beer. And Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really drink for the effect at that time. I drank for the taste. And Mm -hmm. uh, later on, the effect became prominent. I liked the effect of of the taste of drinking beer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Over time, I became quite a beer connoisseur. And that was just natural progression, of course. Um, Did he ever say, come on and have one with me? Oh, it no, was more as years later. Yeah, yeah, it was years later. Um, oh, I can't even imagine telling my three or four-year-old to go ahead and have a sip. <laughs> but, oh, well, you, gotta, you know, you, you come up during that time period, and one of the customary things for toothaches or teething mm-hmm. was called a sugar yep, tit. That's true. And uh, so, you know, our... Our upbringing at that time, <laughs> alcohol and smoking was just a part of life. Mm-hmm. It really was, and especially being military. You know, my dad's retired military, and so being in, in a military family too, that's a, always a big thing. Was there's the smoking and the drinking, mm. and um, so as, as I grew up and progressed, um, I did. Uh, I eventually got into the, in the 70s, junior high school, well, maybe, well, right about that time, because I think I was 13, no, I was 14, when I was first introduced to marijuana. Uh, up to then, it was just drinking. I mean, we had a little place right over here, uh, let me see, a block down and three blocks over. Man had took a shed and renovated it and put a pool pool table and uh, video uh, well pinball machines that mm-hmm. was our video games at the time <laughs> and uh, and he would sell these uh, beers that were called pink champagnes or champagnes mm-hmm. and pink champagnes and it was another flavor it was three flavors and oh boy we thought we were hot stuff we wow. go there and play pool and and. Uh, Drink and he'd let pills. you get them. Like, oh, he was selling to us. He yeah. didn't let us get he, them. He didn't care. I mean, he didn't care how old you were. He didn't have to he prove the thing. No. No. If you, I guess he figured if he was old enough to shoot pool and play pinball, he was old enough to drink and smoke. So. And, and back to the earlier time, when you were first getting those beers for your dad, what time of day was it? Oh, it was the evening time. It, oh, okay. it would be evening. Because oh, okay. no, I, I do remember going out on the little porch into the refrigerator and getting beers for my dad okay. at 7 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And I didn't open them and I didn't, I didn't taste them. Mm-hmm. But I, I do remember that, you know, he started early in the day. No, no, no. My dad was very disciplined in that. Okay. He would not drink during duty hours. Okay. Um, it was always half off duty hours, so that's so here you were in in like junior high, yeah. After school, well, I was playing football, okay. And, and, uh, but of course, mo- the guys, some of the guys were going to the weight room and stuff, and I was going to buy champagnes and smoke joints. Was, uh, you had an allowance, or were you were you I, making some money? I, I was I was a hustler. Uh, I mean, I did get money if needed, but, you know, just the basic stuff, my school lunch money. I never traded it for beer or marijuana or anything. Uh, but, I mean, at that time, I'd, I'd take the lawnmower and gallon of gas. I'd go cut grass, pick up bottles, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'd go to the, the fields uh, and slow them, pick tomatoes and beans. Mm. And, and so I did my little hustles, to, you know, to go to the movies, mm-hmm. take my little girl out and stuff. 
yeah. your girlfriend out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I never had that really problem of, of uh, because I was willing to work, you know, and, and that's where I was brought up. You know, you work hard all week and you let your hair down, have a little fun on the weekends. And uh, if you had rough days through the week, you'd come in and unwind with a beer or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that was just, like I said, just the way life was. And Pop would, uh, Pop would also keep what uh, uh, some type of whiskey or bourbon around. We had, where it, was, it was always alcohol in our house, mm-hmm. always. Yeah. Uh, sometime I, I would drink some. Sometime, most of the time, I just preferred beer. Uh, I can tell you on one hand the number of times I got drunk, and all three times I did not like it at all. Yeah, you knew um, that you didn't like it. And uh, so that was that's why I said it was like three times. Now, how many times was it? Me and Dad sit here and we drink. Uh, when I got older and I'd come back out of the military, uh, we we <clears throat> drinks. Drank, you know, beer and liquor and watch the fights or be up late because he was one of the first people to have satellite dish mm-hmm. when you could get the, when you could tune in the satellites yourself and get it for free. Uh, now you got these two monopoly companies, dish, Direct and Dish, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they've scrambled the signal where you can't, even if you can access it, you got to have the decoder so you end up having to buy the service. And, uh, but that was pretty cool. So we'd be up late watching West Coast uh, TV fights and stuff. And there was also a porn channel. So we'd also we'd enjoy the porn channel late at night. And we thought everybody else was sleeping in the house. <laughs> oh, that must have been a real bonding thing. It was. To do with it him. It really was. Like you were a cool, look how cool you were. And look how cool it was to be able to do that with him. Yeah, well, my, my coolness dissipated with the invention of crack and uh and i had done some cocaine but never the the smokable kind mm-hmm. and uh that was definitely the speed up of my downfall and self-destruction and was that a, that was probably away from your dad though right yeah well it was here it was here in the house uh, i didn't well they they worked weekends so but uh I, I would eventually sneak some in every now and then, but most of the time I did it out away from you, the house. You really do have deep, long roots of being in this house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So from day one, I mean, yeah. we had the house built in seventy. Oh my gosh. And I, I, I'm not clear. Some my sister says seventy one, seventy, <clears> but <throat> mm-hmm. I, I think it was 1970 we moved in here, mm-hmm. and so from that time on, growing up here and. and and you know this was this has been our neighborhood, you know. Oh my we, gosh! And it's really mm-hmm. iconic and ironic, also that uh, here I am, not 56 years old, and I'm back in the house I grew up in. That is incredible. The uh, the house has grown. Yes, it has. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, there's actually a house and a half, I'd say, on the back from where the back wall originally was. Mm-hmm. And then we added a Florida room years later after that. And I think, I think it was in 04, 05 when they did this add-on. Mm-hmm. And I want to say around 2008, 9 or 10, somewhere in there, when they added on the Florida room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now that that's my bedroom, seeing how my, my, bed, my original bedroom has been commandeered by my sister. 
for her office. Oh, right. Okay. So I'm in her, what you're, was her old room. Right. You're in her yeah. old room. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, I, what was it? I don't, well, she was going to college. She was, she didn't like the fact that I had the bigger room, but it was also a logistic thing, I, I would say, because I was here and she was gone. She was right. off to college. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed that room. It was a corner bedroom, as you mm-hmm. as you know. And it's two windows in there. Yeah. And it was perfect perfect for a young pot smoker. Oh. Because I could crack <laughs> one window oh a little bit higher and one a little bit lower. And I, I figured out how to crack them where the flow would take the smoke out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of incense. Oh, God. Oh, well, I, lots well, I of we should own stock in Gonish. <laughs> oh my gosh. But what a load you were carrying to keep such a secret. Well, it, it, it was, but at the same time, it really wasn't. The, the cocaine was the biggest secret. <clears throat> the marijuana wasn't that big of a secret and big of a deal. You know, I knew, they knew it. Mom knew it. Dad suspected it. Uh, Did they do it with you? Mom did. Uh, Dad, <laughs> hell no, no way. Yeah. Be interesting. Uh, I saw on YouTube, uh, not YouTube, uh, Facebook the other day that they had these three seventy-year-old people that they was trying marijuana for the first time. I didn't watch it because I, I try not to watch those kind of things now. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> it was just a really interesting concept. So I mean, I was like, maybe we, maybe we should get him a bowl in here, let him smoke it at yeah. eighty-six. You know, see yeah. what happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, now, me personally, I'd say, hey, y'all film it, I'm going to be out of the house, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I, I am a recovering addict. I take that very seriously. Uh, and, and it's just a big part of my life and story. Uh, because before coming back in the mid to late 80s, when the mid 80s, uh, I was in the military. And I did get in trouble. Uh for selling marijuana on the post, mm. <laughs> and I and I really do know that I mean, I, he's never said it, but I do know my dad pulled some strings to keep mm. me from getting uh, going to Fort Leavenworth, and <clears throat> which is hard time prison for some yeah. people, uh, military. And did he give you a talking to? Him? Oh boy! Oh, 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 <laughs> oh boy! Oh, oh. I heard that for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was. It, it all worked out. I've got an honorable discharge now. I've got full veteran benefits, uh, good conduct, honorable discharge, I should say, not good conduct. They did do good conduct, and then they did honorables, and then they did the BCDs, which is bad conduct. So I, I did my did serve my country, and I and I didn't reenlist. <clears throat> and I really, all throughout this. Path. Uh, I, I go back as far as spirituality, you know. Yeah. And we were in this house, and so I had to be ten. Was it ten? Would be seventy-one. Yeah, ten to twelve years old. I would go outside in the garage, and I love that. <laughs> and at that time, we didn't have any street lights. Like now, it looks like daylight here. But uh, then you could, I could look up and see the stars, and I could remember just looking up and just gazing at the stars. And sometimes I would just twirl around and gazing at the stars, and it, it was like I never said anything and I never heard anything, but it was always like something was there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I never could really put mm-hmm. my finger on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was many nights I spent out there doing that, just, just, just stargazing. It was so beautiful and so vivid. And uh, now, with the, I think the fear factor growing in our society, everybody wants everything lit up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, and so where I was living before I moved back here in Camp Hill. I loved it because I could get that same effect to go out in the yard at night and look mm-hmm. up and it's like I could reach up and touch the stars, you know. I have often believed and I, I remember, uh, I don't know if you know the works of Jackie Small, but uh, she wrote a lot of things in the recovery field and I've often felt that people in recovery are very, very spiritual and struggling with how to find a way to put what they sense and what they're feeling inside together. And that, you know, there's, there is a lot of spirituality there. Yeah, and I think those, and, and, and you know, by the way, what was it, uh, this past Saturday the 2nd, we celebrated my 27 years here in so the house. fabulous, yes. And, uh, and I think what happens after a period of time as you grow in this program that you you come to stop trying to make it make sense mm-hmm. and you just accept it mm-hmm. you know and you and you have to accept things that you know you just cannot control mm-hmm. and and that's difficult you know you're talking about from a, a military family growing up and military being in the military myself uh, it, it was always you know and being a man too just like there there's a problem there's a solution Bam, bam, mm-hmm. you know. And with that, there is no problem or solution. Mm-hmm. It's, it just is. And and that's the hardest part of being human or being a human being is being long enough so that that relationship or that spirituality grows to that point of where you just kind of know it. And you, you just, just kind yeah. of accept it. You don't try to mm-hmm. label it. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest uh, downfalls of our society is putting labels on everything, mm-hmm. and, and one of the yeah. f- best phrases I remember hearing is "Don't put God in a box," you mm-hmm. know? or "You can't put him in a box." Yeah, and, and I think that's what people try to do mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons. Excuse me, I have to readjust my watch, and uh, and I think it's to make God fit into our lifestyle, not us trying to fit into God's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, and yeah, and I, I think a lot of times people compare themselves with other people as long as they're in that story. And are they believing, or yeah, are they believing like so and so, or are they practicing like this other person? Or my God's bigger than your God. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and. So you knew you felt something. So was it ever a uh, point of angst between this uh, love of doing, you know, drinking and doing cocaine or smoking or anything? Was there angst between like, what am I doing? Or how do I make sense out of this with this other feeling that I have about spirituality? Well, of course there was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and those were the times when uh, I I felt God was mad at me, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
Now I've learned better that, you know, he's never mad at us. He's mm -hmm. just like, okay, when you finish playing around, I'm I'm yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Just come on back. You know? mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that's one of the best things that happens for people in recovery is that it's emphasized that uh, uh, the higher power, God of your understanding, and, and, the, and there's only three requirements that it be uh, loving, caring, no, loving, forgiving, and merciful, mm -hmm. you know, because most of us got here and get into the program needing mercy, lots of mercy, <laughs> you know, and uh, the forgiveness comes with time. What right? does mercy mean to you? Like grace? I would tell you, yeah, uh, you know, before it didn't, you know, and it was a different context of mercy and uh, uh, being a soldier, it was like show no mercy, you know. And, uh show no, yeah, yeah show no, no mercy, yeah. no kindness, no. Right. Yeah. You know, of course, the the time and the things were happening. It was it was necessity too. Um, <clears throat> we saw, I've seen several guys lose their lives trying, you know, in the moment of being merciful and fully missing out on. Uh, well, actually, well, by not really missing out, but actually losing their lives. Um, and you get, it's, it's, it's like cynicism on steroids. <laughs> mm. Oh, you're seeing that happen over and over. and Well, yeah, yeah. you know, you see, you see friends of yours die, and, mm -hmm. you know, and you start, right, was this really necessary? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh. And you start questioning it, but you know, of course, you, you're a soldier. You have orders. You do, you, you know, job mission is job first. That's the first thing. You carry out the mission. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if if you fall, somebody else should keep step in and keep it going. So, of course, that that also plays upon the addictive personality, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, as a using addict, you would do anything any means to get what you want. Mm -hmm. uh, there are those of us, and, and it was like me, that there was there was a, just a line that I wouldn't cross. And I almost did one night. And I, and I share this as part of my story, too, but I always also remember it was down in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was never shot up any drugs, intravenous drugs. This is, okay, this is during that time. This is during you were the 80s mm -hmm. when I was... Making my way here, as a matter of fact, this was in uh, 1989. Mm -hmm. After I had been in a program eight and a half months and decided I knew better, mm. and I spent three and a half months, uh, most of it, the, well, on the streets of Birmingham and on the streets of uh, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Mm. Well, down in Jacksonville, there was this one girl that was about to convince me to shoot up crack. She would take it and whatever they do to melt it down and put it in a syringe and, and you intravenously take it. And uh, and I had everything. She had my arm tied up and everything, and I never will forget. I uh, It's like I went somewhere. And mm -hmm. I didn't move. I was still sitting in the chair, but it was like I went somewhere to like an end of a cliff at the end of a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it, it said, look, something said, look down. And I looked down, and it was just this vast pit. Mm. And it was red. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you, it was a vast pit, and it was red. And his voice said, you crossed this line, you're mine. Ooh. <laughs> and 
I was like, oh, hell no. And I turned, and when I turned away from the pit, I was back in the chair. Mm. And I snatched that tie off on my arm. I snatched it down. I said, you can give me my shit. I'll smoke it. You shoot your shit up. I'm, I'm smoking mine. I ain't yeah. going. You know. <laughs> and, and, um, and I really believe for me that was the, the life-changing experience that we call a bottom mm. that, um, that turned me around. And, and like I said, that was in August of 1989. No, you, 1999. And, oh, uh, okay. No, I'm sorry. 1990. Okay. 89 was the first time I went in. 1990 was when I came back the second time, and that was when I was on the streets. And I went into rehab, the same rehab I had went to exactly the same day a year before in wow. September. And so... Uh, <laughs> so, at this point, though, this was not a time that you did relapse, this time when you were had that that little... No, vision. that was during a relapse. Oh, it was? That I thought was you had during not done relapse. it. Okay. No, that was during a relapse. I had, like I said, uh, May of that year would have been my nine months. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. June. No, June. I'm sorry. June, would, June the 2nd would have been my nine months. May the 14th, which about two weeks before that is when mm. I picked up and used again. Wow. And, and But you were in the middle of using and you and you had that image yeah. and took well, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were, we, were, we had been getting high. We had mm -hmm. went and hustled up some more money and we was going to get high some more. And, and that was when I had that vivid, vivid image. So it really came to you, though. This wasn't like, oh, you were caught and you were, okay. It wasn't like you were caught and uh, in trouble. This was an inner yes. shift, yes. turning point. Yes, and I, and I and I firmly believe that that we all have, to have that, whether we're addicted or not. Mm -hmm. or, which I I personally think ninety five percent of our population is addicted to something or oh, someone. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> and and I tend to believe that addiction, in many ways, it's like a circumstance. One could be addicted to food one day and to people the next and to, you know, it, it may not be just, you know, uh, it, it may be eclectic addiction. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, without a doubt. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's no doubt there's in the rooms we have addicts come in weighing 180 pounds and you see them three years later and they're 360 pounds. Mm -hmm. And so they have effectively what we say swapped addictions. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the is the obesity going to kill him as quick as the drugs and alcohol? No. Mm -hmm. uh, would it cause life uh, health issues over time? Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of them do back down off the weight, and some of them don't. You know, right. but they enjoy a life free of alcohol and drugs. And so, mm -hmm. you, you know, sometimes you have to look at, as the old expression was, the lesser of two evils. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I picked up some weight, of course, and. Uh, but I was I was always an active type and um, always going doing. Uh, I'd work uh, uh, overtime at the mill when I was in Alex City. Matter of fact, there was one time I was working three jobs. Wow. Well, working at the mill and two part-time jobs. Uh, and I didn't go to them every day. It was mm -hmm. like uh, two or three days out of the week I go to this one. Two or three days I go to the other one. So. But this time, you took yourself back into treatment. How many times had you been in treatment before? That was the second time. The second time. Yeah, so this time, you went back and you said, I 
whatever you said. You knew you were, <laughs> you, knew you were done. You knew you really I, chose to be. I removed the doubt in my mind that I was an addict. Okay. And I think that was the big, biggest mm-hmm. and best thing that happened for me mm-hmm. during that three and a half months. Was there when I came back? There was no doubt that I was an addict, and I had to do something different if I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can't keep walking that line of of, of doing things mm-hmm. in addiction. Because oh, I see so many kids that that don't make it. Uh, mm-hmm. We we have a huge heroin epidemic going on now, mm-hmm. and and kids are just dying. The other thing is bad is now is there's this what they call legal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's synthetic marijuana is what it is. Ah. Yes. Mm. And the composition of it is of such that it's 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 driving people crazy. Mm. Uh it's had it's killed just just this year I know of three deaths in the area because of it. In this area, in Dalton area. And that's and there are several up there in the Auburn area where I was living. Mm-hmm. But the uh the one that gets the most attention is the heroin. Hmm. And it is, and it is a very devastating thing right now. And it's really being pushed, and it. I have my suspicions. I call it on that, and I, I, I don't get into it. But it, we, when we get in rooms cover, we we don't, you know, say one drug's worse than another one, or this drug is better, or this drug do you this way, that drug do you mm-hmm. the other way, because it it takes us out of life. And it puts us in a dark area of life mm-hmm. where, and it, and the reason I say it's dark is because it's it's probably like narcissism times a hundred, mm-hmm. because it's all about me, all mm-hmm. about getting my head bad, all about getting high, you know. It's a lifestyle. It's so hard to get these young people to understand that it's not just the dope that's got you. It's the lifestyle. Oh sure, and, uh, yeah, and I, and like I said, those of us that that enjoy, you know, uh, and and I say ten ten plus years is because you have a generally will hit a maturity at that time period that uh, either you're going to grow up and go this way, and I've seen a lot of them fight it and go back and drink or use again. Mm. Uh, matter of fact, I just found out a lady that I knew in uh, Auburn. <clears throat> Uh, she just died. They found her dead at the and the coroner said she'd been in there at a minimum minimum of seven to fourteen days. They couldn't they couldn't Aww. gauge it because she had been, you know, so far so long mm-hmm. since they found her and it's really sad because she had a really great dog that uh what the heck was it? Oh, his name was Blue. Mm-hmm. And uh I can't he was he was a he was a very unique breed and I can't think of it right now. But uh, she went to go in the hospital one time, and uh, she asked me to take care of him. So I kept him for like four or five days. And I even brought him down here because I had to come down here and take and uh, take care of some business. And I really was, you know, my heart goes out for him because he, he loved her and she loved him. And, and uh, she was a recovering alcoholic. Hmm. And... Um, I want, I'm not giving her name, so I'm not bringing no. her anonymity. But uh, it was so sad because when she came to Auburn, she came from Columbus, and she re- reason she came because she had relapsed, and she had oh, 14, 15 years. I that happened. Have a well, my I had a friend who uh, is no longer here, but. She 
she, I think she had probably been in for about, I don't know, 16 or so years, and she found a woman that she, and she was always without a sponsor, mm. and she finally decided to get one, and she asked a lady who she admired, who had been in for, I think, maybe 20, 24 years, and this woman, who was who she asked to be her sponsor, relapsed. Wow. So, and it, it does can happen. happen. Yes, it does happen, and 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 I'm a firm believer of you know when you're here, you know that uh, I go to quite a few meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got one meeting I'm obligated to chair every week, and and that's mm -hmm. Thursday noon, uh, and I try to catch meetings, you know, with with our scheduling and with with you know working with my dad. Yeah. As we do, you know, I try to make make it you know fit into all of our schedules. Sure. You know, where, oh yeah. And then there's, you know, y'all do things, and y'all just spend a week, it seemed like, did. down in Florida. I know it. You know, and, and, and that's the beauty of, 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 our, of our living situation here, is that we all work together, but we all it take our... It is so beautiful. Our, yeah, we all take our personal time, mm -hmm. and we all get out mm -hmm. and enjoy life, too. Yeah, yeah, and, we do. Uh, the worst thing I see happen is families, that, and, and I've got a friend up there in Auburn that she's just got her moment... Uh, down here from Chicago, and her mama had a stroke, and so mm -hmm. she's, you know, basically the caretaker. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's her self choice <laughs> or if the family choice or what. I mean, but, well, it's a lot for one person. And it is, it is, and and she's got a lot on her plate, so so she's constantly mm -hmm. in my prayers. Yeah. Of, of strengthening, strengthening her up and upholding her because she she's. She's a great lady, and she's taken on this, and, she, and it was really awesome because there was a time when she said about her mother, she said, I hate that bitch, you know, I wouldn't do nothing for her. If she was on fire, I wouldn't put water on her, oh, you know. Because it's, so, it's hard. It's it worse is. than raising a kid. Well, this was before. Oh, now, This okay. was before the stroke. Oh, before. Okay. Yeah, they, they didn't get along too okay. well at yeah. all. And mm -hmm. they had started bonding again and coming mm -hmm. together, and and uh, and that was good. And so now she's at a point where she can help take care of her. Yeah. And, and it's, it's uh, I'm I'm blessed, and we are blessed that you know Pop is in no worse condition than he's in, mm -hmm. considering mm -hmm. his diagnosis. Right. And, yeah. Uh, and I could, I mean, if he was that way, you know, thank God it's not just me. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. So the no. three of us are really mm -hmm. doing a great job working together, taking care mm -hmm. of him. And that's so awesome. Oh, it is. And it allows us, again, like I'm saying, the freedom to, to go and do things. Uh, you know, go if I want to take a weekend mm -hmm. off, I yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just... We, on we, a short leash. On a short leash, yeah. <laughs> oh, very short leash. Yeah, I fly, you know, it was hard driving up there with that chain bag <laughs> last, you know, last, last month. <laughs> But, but it's also a good thing, y'all. Uh, oh, it's so it, good. It's good it to be so good. here. And, uh, it's good to have you here. It, and, and it's good to be able to give back because I did put my father through a lot of stress during oh. my addiction, you know. And and again, you know, he, he loved me as he knew how to love me. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the greatest thing was coming to understand how he loved us as a mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. And we we were expecting ABC and he was giving us X, Y, and Z. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> sure. So, you know, one of the things that's common, I know there are many people who come into the recovery who are 
either atheistic or agnostic who really have a hard time with the whole higher power and God of understanding and all that. Was any of that hard for you? Uh, no, it wasn't. No. Uh, I was raised as a Catholic. Uh, I've also experienced uh, several other religions, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that all helped me in this path of spirituality also. Um, so I, I didn't have that. Uh, no, I, w I was thinking you might not have because you described some of your spiritual experience even as a kid. Yes. So... Uh, you know, maybe in a way there was a little bit of oh, I'm at home with, I'm at home with this. But but there must have been some of it that was really different. Well, the, the, one of the best things that happened was, and I still have the paper somewhere, uh, was the difference between spirituality and religion. Mm -hmm. And once I saw those characteristics displayed. It really made a difference for me. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I said, you know, I was part earlier when I said I, I knew God was mad at me, you know, mm -hmm. and I was just waiting any day for that lightning bolt to come <laughs> and turn me into dust, you know. <laughs> and uh, it never happened, of course. I'm still sitting here talking. <laughs> uh, and, and so my journey through uh, several other religions was also, you know, the way I learned about my, the way I learned and enhanced my relationship with God. Uh, for me, I can say, you know, I have my personal views of I believe mm -hmm. in the Holy Trinity. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe it, look at my bike. It says HP3, and that's not for Harry Potter's third movie. That's <laughs> higher power cubed. But I couldn't make the little three upside, so I just had to do it like HP3. But people that know me and people in the program that know me, they look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that's your higher power. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And that's what I use for my motorcycle tag. Neat. Um, that's cool. And I was recently accused of, uh, I don't know, I don't really know what I was accused of, but it was something about uh, because I had, I had stopped going to church. Oh. And I was like, you know, but I, I may not go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I you know, I'm, I, I have this relationship mm -hmm. daily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't wait till two days a week. You right. Know? I walk around. You know, so sometimes I'm, I'm in a constant prayer. Now, yep. now, don't be confused of this prayer thing of like I'm walking, walking around and oh Lord bless so and so and Lord you know and asking and petitioning and right and I and I do believe we should petition the Lord, mm -hmm. but I'm also a believer of when I ask the Lord, leave it alone. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. he's going to answer my prayer for the, one of four ways. Yes, no, uh, maybe, and wait a while. Mm-hmm. Wait. Okay. And I think that's the, the answer to prayer that turns a lot of people off from God. And, and if my experience has been that when I've seen so many things happen in my life and come together that I know there were powers beyond my control. Mm -hmm. Now, I, sometimes I find out there was because of a person, place, or thing that a situation turned out differently. But for me, that's God working for me through somebody else. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and I think one of the best things I learned was that God works through us to, to help each other. I don't like to say to serve each other. Because servitude has such uh, negative connotations with it. Uh, in, a, in example, the history of slavery. Oh no! Oh gosh! You know, so mm. I don't like to use the servitude, but okay. I, I, you know, but I do like to say, you know, 
looking out for each other, helping each mm-hmm. other, you mm-hmm. know, going that extra mile for someone. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have so many. I, I passed a guy the other day, and I blew at him, but I can't help this guy. And, mm-hmm. I, and I accept that fact. I can't help him. Mm-hmm. He's got issues that's above and beyond the call mm-hmm. of recovery. Oh, okay. And he actually came to, to a meeting one day, and he said, oh, I got a problem, I got a problem. And so so uh, he wanted to talk to me at the meeting, and we did. And then come to find out he's got a problem with gambling and pornography. And I says, well, you know, that's not uncommon. Uh, you know, addictions mm-hmm. come in multitude of, of ranges and choices. And as we talked more and more, I came to the realization that his his other functioning problem was more mental than um, I'll call who that is back <laughs> more more mental uh, needs than mm-hmm. than of just the recovery needs. Now now don't take it as the, there's definitely some mental issues that go along with being an well. addict. I, it does say in that fifth chapter there are some who are constitutionally incapable of being honest. That's right. And, but they do recover. They have the capacity to be honest. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I'm a firm believer that. And I, and I think for this guy, there's, there's a dishonesty that goes on that uh, he wants to put it in this classification. And when, I, when for me personally, when I do that, I'm avoiding the problem. I'm mm-hmm. not looking at the real problem. Like to say, well, it's not really an addiction, things like that. Well, you know, yeah, and then it's like, well, it, it, it was always a need, you know. When whenever it was called, it was always a need. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have any food. I can't oh, eat. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, it's because my this or my that. My yeah. parents or my... Well, well his, yeah. mom is, his mom is uh, ex- ex- executor over his financial situation, mm-hmm. so... Uh, and that's one of the reasons she became that way because of the gambling mm-hmm. addiction. Yeah. So you know, if, if it mm-hmm. wasn't for that, he wouldn't have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. So the devastation of what he deals with is just as devastating as the addict on the street using dope. Yeah, knowing the difference, knowing when you can help and knowing when you can't, just like in knowing when to answer the phone and when not. And, and so thank you so much, but I mean, wow. you know, I, I know I, I spend a lot of time, a lot of my time on recovery because recovery is such a because big that part is of my life. Central. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, thank you. It's a central focus. And it allows me to be here for my dad, to be here with y'all, to take care of him. Um, it did cause some problems in my, my recent marriage, and we're probably breaking up. Uh, I can't, uh, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad. Uh, it didn't have to be, but you get to a point where you, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't even know. A friend of mine asked me, well, what about, you know, going to counseling or some, some kind mm-hmm. of um, retreat, weekend retreat mm-hmm. or something. And I yeah. says, you know, I says, at this point, right now, I don't think it would help. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it's because of the anger level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, this, that my my significant other has. She's she's very angry, mm-hmm. uh, and and I know I know, and not being egotistical enough, but I know that a lot of it is not me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of personal things that are going on, and I was always trying to encourage her to grow mm-hmm. spiritually and to grow and to find herself and to to become who she wants to be. You know, mm-hmm. and 
you know, and then you just, you know, go to get to a point where, you know, we just, just split, you know. It could be the best thing that ever happened for us. Mm-hmm. Either so, yeah. either way, you know, it could be good. Well, yeah. we, we go on with our lives, or it could bring us back together yeah. eventually. So it could. right, right mm-hmm. here, I, you know, I'm not going to rule out anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be, you know, what was it old saying? Only a fool is positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sometimes I'm positively foolish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So if you enjoy the life I have today, was you know I think you were the essence of this talk was choices, mm-hmm. and and that's all life. That's that all is, of life. It is. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are, where you come from, what you if you're blue blood, royal blood, yellow blood, whatever. Choice. Mm-hmm. I have seen. You know, I've dined with the finest, mm-hmm. and I've dined with the lowest. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're all the same. Exactly. They're and all the same. How incredible. Where would I know I wouldn't be where I am without spirituality? And I'm sure you see people in recovery that maybe they're staying sober one day at a time, but if they don't have that spirituality, it's a very different road. It's a well, very different. Uh, the experience has been. Uh, jails, institutions of death, and mm-hmm. so many of them I've seen uh, overdose, uh, pistol or shotgun in the mouth. Mm. Uh, one guy sat on a railroad track and blew his brains oh out. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, and 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 it's so sad because you know I, I, I always tell people you know when those, I hear those things or I know of them, you know I, I wish they I'd rather they went and drank or drugged. And if they died that way, they did something they were doing, they were wanting to do, even though it was the wrong mm-hmm. thing. But to have the mental anguish of, I, I'm going to either drink or put a bullet in my brain. Uh, where's the Jack Daniels, please? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, because I got a chance to recover if I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a chance to come back from that. Well, and you also know people that are on a dry drunk. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> they're not working it. They're they're not drinking, but they're, they're, their personality is back you know, still where they were. Uh, and for the, for and my personal thing with the opinion of that is, I don't think they ever moved out of it. Right. I don't. I either. think I mm-hmm. think they brought that same old opinion mm-hmm. there with them, yeah. and and you know that sense of impending doom. You know what's going to happen when it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like uh, they never grasp the essence of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day that had. Just had relapsed after several years, and and you know, and I said, well, what made you relapse? Well, you know, this was going on, that was going on, this was going on, blah 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 blah. Uh. And and I did, I let them run through the little spiel, and when they finished, I said, you want to know the real reason why you picked up and used again? <laughs> well, well, I just told you, I know. So you want to know the real reason? Well, what is the real reason then? I said, because you wanted to. <laughs> you spent the last two and a half, three years of planning this episode of using and you went out there and you found out it ain't no better mm-hmm. and that's my experience for when I went back out after that eight and a half months I realized there was no more doubt I was an addict I mm-hmm. says if you have lost that doubt of being an addict or alcoholic then that run was the best thing you could have done mm-hmm. because that's what kills us reservations mm-hmm. we, we talk about it in our literature reservations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if, if somebody dies 
if uh, if if uh, my I lose my job, mm-hmm. <laughs> if my girlfriend or wife leaves me, mm-hmm. you know, I, I all these things that I say. Well, if that happens, it's mm-hmm. okay to pick up again. Mm-hmm. And Justified. it's not. Yeah, it's not. You know, mm-hmm. it's, and, and we lovingly say in the rooms, you know, okay. I'm mad at you, Debbie, so I'm going to go drink some poison. Yeah, right. Because I'm pissed at you. Yeah. <laughs> I show you. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And then I'm the one laid out in the morgue, and you're going, wow, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it, it was that bad? <laughs> yeah. So it's just been really great sitting and chatting. And, yeah, you know, well. Know, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah, I know we did, and I'm, so I'm I thrilled. I hope that it's, uh, I hope that it's been beneficial. I think it's great. I'm sure there are people that are going to listen and say, wow, thank you. Um, we have, you know, certainly all types of listeners, and it does go to podcast, and, yeah, and yeah. plenty of people that, that you know, deal with recovery or the need for some sort of uh, shift, and I'm sure there'll be people who listen who can identify. Oh, and, and I will also say that, you know, I don't knock religion. You know, uh-huh. I, it didn't work for me at a certain point of my growth, mm-hmm. but I don't knock it. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's plenty of people that that find their way uh, to a spiritual life through religion, and, mm-hmm. I, and and there is one. Um, they do this thing, mm-hmm. and I always tell you know people ask me about it, and I was like, well, you know, that that's going to help some people. I'm not the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would not work. It would not have worked for me. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point I was at in life, and I and I can accept that, and I can accept the fact that there'll be somebody that can get in there and grasp a hold of it, and change their life from it. Celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery. Okay. Uh, the, the danger in that is, <clears throat> and and this is, and, and I have long said this, and and our literature tells us that there's high bottom addicts and low mm-hmm. bottom addicts. Mm-hmm. I'm a low bottom addict. Now, there's some high bottom addicts that if they get involved in this and they'll turn their life around and they, 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 they'll do great at it. They'll never pick up and use again. I applaud them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also worry about the low bottom addict who's in there lying to himself or herself and going, well, I'm doing this thing. I'm working this recovery thing. And, and I just don't agree with it. Oh, and I, gosh, and yeah. And I know of one so uh-huh. far, only one instance where somebody died mm. that was in and out of it. Um, and, and, and that's my fear of it. Mm-hmm. That's my fear. That well, that it's kind of like peer pressure and of course. yet it's not, it's not their own timing. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but I, think it, I, I do think it's a great idea. It's a mm-hmm. great program. Um, and and if mm-hmm. you look at the not the millennials but the the youth that's coming along mm-hmm. now, they there's some things they they want to do differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always tell them if I get a chance to share with them, if you're an addict like me, I can pretty much assure you that path won't work. Mm-hmm. And and I leave it at that. Well, I know you're doing lots of good out there for with and for lots of people, and I know the people you work with. Many of them are also your friends, and it's just part of a community. It's just well, it is. It's a big community. It is a big community. So. Well, I'd like to leave the listeners with four paradoxes of recovery. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I assure you, you can drop recovery and say four paradoxes of life. All right, go right ahead. Yeah. And the first one is surrender and win. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a hard concept for so mm-hmm. many, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially me being military. Surrender? Oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. But I had to find that surrender. And that's mm-hmm. what I found those three and a half months I was out after I first got in the program. Mm-hmm. The second one is give it away to keep it. Mm-hmm. There's no sure way to keep your recovery or your life alive and vibrant mm-hmm. as giving and sharing with others. Mm-hmm. It keeps you focused, it keeps you giving, and it keeps giving back to you when you mm-hmm. give. I've never run mm-hmm. out of giving. Right. You know. Yep. The third, the third one is a toughie, and nobody likes it. we got to suffer to get well. Mm. That's always a tricky one mm-hmm. because I did it. A lot of people do it. No matter what the situation in life, there's got to be a fix, mm-hmm. a pill, a drink, oh, yeah. <laughs> or a book, <laughs> or a preacher, mm-hmm. or a psychiatrist, something that's going to fix me mm-hmm. and not have to go through the pain. Mm-hmm. But the beauty is you go through the pain and get to the other side. Mm-hmm. And it and it greatly enhances your life. It mm-hmm. gives you a greater appreciation of life. Mm-hmm. The fourth one, now this is strictly metaphorically speaking, and that's we have to die to be reborn. Now, no, I couldn't go back in mama and be reborn again. I, I don't think she'd mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> and that's not what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. It's really talking about spiritual, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to die spiritually to be rebirthed spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people, so many people, not just recovery or anything else, just people in general, so many people are not willis, willing to relinquish the old self mm-hmm. to embrace a new self. Mm-hmm. And and so we stay stuck when we do that. Right. We we go through years of therapy, or years of recovery, and then one day we end up picking up twenty twenty five years. I knew a lady twenty four years up there that yeah, picked up and drank again. Yeah. And it's because I did not let the old person die. Mm-hmm. And embrace mm-hmm. the new person, because when you hear it, most people hear it and they say, "Well, I can't be me." I already don't know who I am, and I can't yeah. be who I was. Mm. And it's not about that. They're still attracted. They still think there's something about that. Yeah, that well, was attractive. It, it, there's that ego part of yeah. it that says, you know, well, you don't, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do right. that. You, mm-hmm. you can do everything else. You, you didn't suffer. You don't have to do mm-hmm. this, too. Yeah. You know? But you do. You, there's a part of us, there's a part of us, any one of us, that suffered through anything in life. There's a part of us that has to die. Mm-hmm. In order for us to get through that to mm-hmm. the other, to the place where God, as as, as I understand Him, wants us to be, mm-hmm. I can never be the person God intends for me to be if I keep trying to be the old me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so true. Wow, it's the old. You can't put new wine in old wine skins. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Or else mm-hmm. what? The old wine skins will They'll burst when burst, new yeah. wine ferments. That's right. <laughs> and I up. promise you there's somebody out there putting old, new wine and old wine skins, <laughs> and they're coming back one day and going, why is my wine all over the floor? And yeah. it's like, hey, you didn't want to spend $15, put a new wine skin, this is what you get. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens with us. We don't want to, we don't want to take care of ourselves. I look at it as taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I put the new wine, wine, old wine, and new wine. I'm taking care of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're doing with your spirit. You know, mm-hmm. you're taking it out that old container. You're pouring it into a new one, because mm-hmm. you're gonna grow. 
Yeah. Spirituality is about growth. Yep. Sure is. Yeah. Constantly discovering. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yay. Anytime. And, and uh, right. if any of your listeners ever want to talk with me. Oh, good. You, know, you want to give contact info? I'll be glad to give contact okay. info. All right. Uh, I do uh, prefer you do it as email. Okay. Uh, use my email, aclark852 at gmail.com. Okay. And I will gladly re- discuss Very life, good. love, and yeah. recovery. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. That's great. Yeah, because you never know. Never know. Somebody may want some help or, and, uh, or just want to say thank you. And that's awesome. That's right. That is so awesome. Okay. Thank well, thank you. Tony, thank you for sharing your journey and to you, the listeners. Thank you for being here, listening and living on the inside track.